0: Thank you for listening to Willamette Community Church's sermon series in Second Timothy. Join us as Pastor Scott takes us into chapter 4. We're going to have a good time opening God's Word. We're getting close to finishing a letter that we've been working on for a couple months. So I hope you have your Bibles with you. I invite you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. If you want to use this Bible in front of you, we're going to be on page 996. And we're looking at this idea that God promises to us... Life, even in the face of darkness. Whatever you might be going through, God offers life. He offered it to this man named Paul, who's in prison as he's writing this. And Paul starts this letter and says, I am here based on this promise of life that God has given to me. And so today we're going to look at the final thoughts. Of Paul the final thoughts as the end of his life draws near he's finishing up a letter this is his last recorded letter that we have he knows that his death is coming he's in this prison in fact this prison that we have a picture of here is in this prison waiting his own execution and he's getting to the end of this letter and today as we read some of this you will hear in his writing these final words that he's writing to a son in the faith, a young apprentice. And he writes the, this letter to Timothy, but in essence, God leads him to write this letter to you and to me. So here we go. I want to uh, read a few of these verses. I'm going to ask that you follow along. Second Timothy chapter 4. Let's start at verse 1. Let me read the first eight verses this morning. Paul says this I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Verse 5. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Let's stop there. This morning, I want to look at some of these words, and I want to challenge us as we read this from Paul, as Timothy was challenged by this. I want to use this as a way to encourage your hearts, and let's consider this, these final thoughts of Paul as the end of his life draws near. Verse 2 is really three words that can sum up this section. He says this, preach the word. Preach the word. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down today. Preach the word. The idea here is that you are going to proclaim the truth of Jesus. You are going to proclaim the victorious proclamation that Jesus is the one from God sent to save us and heal us and put everything back together. When he says this, If you would, look at chapter 3. Go back to the end of that, verse 16 and 17. He says this word that we're to preach comes from the mouth of God. This is what we looked at last week. These are God's words. I want you to preach this, Paul says to Timothy. And I want you to carry out this ministry. Now, maybe when you look at this, you say, okay, isn't this the message for the guy up front, Timothy, who's supposed to preach? Paul was a pastor. Timothy was pastoring. Is this just a message for pastors that they're to preach the word? Is this for me? You might be asking that. But I want you to know that just as the guy on the stage on a Sunday morning has a stage, every single one of us has a stage throughout the week. You have a stage in which you are to preach and proclaim the victory of Jesus Christ. You have a stage in your family, you have a stage at your workplace, you have a stage at your school, you have a stage in your neighborhood. This is not just for a man on one stage on a Sunday morning to preach the word, but all of us, every single one of us are called to preach the word of God. To proclaim that Jesus is the one from God. To proclaim that Jesus offers forgiveness. That Jesus puts life back together as as it was supposed to be. And so if you are a Christ follower, you are called to preach the word. You're not off the hook. It's not just for me. This is for all of us. We're told throughout the scripture, how are people going to believe unless they're told... And this isn't just, well, invite them to church and let this guy on the stage do all the work. Listen, a lot of people will never come into this building. I've been reading more and more that they say this is just a generation that is no longer saying, I will go to the church to find, prob- find the answer to problems. And so the key is, how are these people going to believe unless they're told? And it's not going to be always that they come into this room but that you and I, outside of this room, have this responsibility to preach and proclaim who Jesus is. Go back to chapter 3 again, verse 16 and 17. You see this Word of God that we have a copy of, this Word of God that we're trying to understand more and more of, this Word of God that we are memorizing and putting away in our hearts, this Word of God is for teaching, and it's for correcting, and it's for training us, So that we would be equipped to do every good work. This is just the morning huddle because the rest of the week is game time. And so this word of God, we are supposed to learn this so that we would preach this and proclaim this. Sometimes we get thinking this though. We think, you know what, I'll go to church. I'll give God this time. I'll hopefully get encouraged a little bit. Get a little boost in the arm. Sing some good songs. Things like that. But then the rest of the week is my time. All right? I get to do what I want on that time. Listen, that's not what life is about. As a Christ follower, we say my whole life is committed to you. Some of our songs were saying that today. And part of your ministry, your mission is to preach and proclaim who Jesus is by what you say and how you live and how you serve a lot of people are going to be asking this, week, this coming weekend, why would a bunch of people on their Saturday go and serve at a local school that's not their school? It's like, well, we serve in the name of Christ. and We are proclaiming Jesus even the way we serve. I want to show you three quick thoughts that Paul says to Timothy about preaching the word. Look at verse 2 again, if you would. He says this, preach the word, be ready then in season and out of season. Be ready all the time, so to speak. Just be prepared. You be prepared to share the word of God at different opportunities. This isn't, okay, when I go back to school, I will do this in three months. No, you be prepared for something that is going to happen this afternoon, tonight. You be prepared for what's going to happen this week you be prepared. Peter said something similar in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Look at this passage. He says this, in your hearts, you set apart Christ the Lord. You say, Jesus, yes, you are my Lord and my master. Watch this. Peter says, always be prepared. All of you, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. And you do this with gentleness and with respect. Somebody says, how can you handle cancer so well? You say, really, I'm a mess, but Jesus is giving me strength. You be ready to give a defense. You are ready to give the reason for the hope that you have. How can you handle this financial situation so well? On my own, I couldn't, but Jesus gives me strength. Tell me more about this, Jesus. You always then be prepared To give a reason for the hope that you have. How can you handle this discouragement so well? You're like, well, really I'm not. But Jesus is strengthening me. And I'm telling you, he's the reason for the hope that I have now in this life and for the life to come. So this is why on Sunday mornings I would give you support verses like this and there would be classes that we have and opportunities. This ladies Bible study this week that we're starting all of these things that we would say is so that you would get the word of God in your heart and in your mind so that when somebody asks you something you would be prepared We certainly don't know all the answers. I don't know everything that happened to the dinosaurs and things like that. I don't know all the answers, but I do know this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. And that's not because I'm good, but because Jesus did this in my life. Amen? And so Peter says to us and Paul says to us, be prepared, be prepared to preach the word. Look at verse 2 again. He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And then he gives these words, follow along. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. I'm going to say it this way with a couple words, be forceful and faithful. There are times that we have to go out of this with some force. I'm just going to tell you, sometimes I struggle with this. Maybe on Sunday morning you go, man, he's real forceful. Sometimes it's easier in front of a bunch of people to be forceful than it is one-on-one, okay? One-on-one, it's like, ah, sometimes it's hard. I don't want to break your arm on this. But there is something when we correct people, that takes force. And we make proofs of certain things, that takes force. But whatever it is, we're going to be faithful. We continue to do this And Paul says, this is part of your ministry, and you are going to fulfill this with force and with faithfulness. And then he gives one more thought, and let's go back to verse 1. How are we to preach the word? Verse 1, he says this, watch. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, preach the word. I don't know if you caught this the very first time we read this, but there's some power before this. He's not just saying, hey, Timothy, I'm dying. Maybe you should go preach the word once in a while. He says this. He says, listen, I charge you in the presence of God Almighty. I charge you in the presence of Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead. You will stand before him, Timothy. And because of that, you need to preach the word. Let's say it this way, we are to be mindful of the soon-appearing judge. Sometimes we just forget this as we live life. We think, ah, what do I got going on this week? We don't necessarily put in our planner for this week that the judge will be appearing soon. Or that we would be appearing before him. But Paul says, I know this is happening to me. My life is ending. I am going to meet this Jesus. Timothy, you are too. And so because of that, here's your calling. You go preach the word. You proclaim Jesus. Because one day you're going to stand in front of him. And you will give an account to him. And that should scare us a little bit. Wow, I'm meeting Jesus. So I need to proclaim Jesus to the people I live with and the people I work with, people in my neighborhood. I need to show what Jesus is like. I need to show love and forgiveness and mercy and his grace. And when they ask about the reason for the hope that I have, say, it is this person, Jesus, the Son of God, who has changed me and made me this. And so be mindful of meeting Jesus, Paul says, and preach the word. As I was reflecting on this week, I thought, okay, those are how to do that and be mindful of this. And I I wrote this question for myself, to whom do we preach? Because I started thinking, do I just preach to you on Sundays? I thought, no, 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 no. I'm also to preach to my neighbors and anybody else I come in contact with. And, And so I made a really short list of people that we are to proclaim the good news to. I put it this box in your notes and I... I'm going to say it this way. Preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus' victory to others and to yourself. Because sometimes I forget to do this, to preach this good news to others and to myself. You started hearing about this, preach the word, and you started maybe thinking about oh. I don't want to talk to those people at work, or I don't want to talk to my neighbors, or I don't want to talk to my ex, or whatever it is. You know, I don't want to talk to my kids or my grandkids. But you maybe didn't even think about preaching the gospel, the good news, to yourself. Let me ask you this. you ever get discouraged? Ever get discouraged? When you're discouraged, what do you need? You need The good news, the proclamation, is that Jesus is alive. He is in control. He has your life in his hands. When I get discouraged, I struggle to preach this good news to myself. You can ask my wife. I struggle with this. Uh, Sometimes I have to go to her. You preach good news to me. But I'm supposed to preach good news to myself. I read this quote again this week, and I've heard this for a couple years now. Listen to this. No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one speaks as much to yourself as you do. Think about that for a second. No one's more influential in your life than you are because no one speaks to you as much as you do. Do you know this? You speak to yourself a lot. All right? Man, what a loser I am. I get it. How do we preach to ourselves? How do we preach the Word of God to ourselves? What truths are there that we're supposed to preach to ourselves when you get discouraged? Because there are times, I know this about me and I know this about you as well, there are times that you say, I just want to give up on God. I want to give up on my family. I want to give up on life in general. And you are called at this time to preach the Word of God to yourself. You say, well, what do I preach to myself? Let me just give you one chapter, and you read through this this week and preach these words to yourself. Ready to write this down? Here you go. Romans chapter 8. Paul writes to a church in Rome. And then the 8th chapter, there's just some amazing good news. We would call this the gospel. This is just news of Jesus' victory victory. It's just proclaiming that he's in control. There are words like this, for when you sin and you beat yourself up over the head and say, man, I'm just a loser. Listen, in Romans chapter 8, it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You might be condemning yourself, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You've got to preach that to yourself. When you start thinking, you know what, I've messed up and nobody loves me, you've got to know that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's in that chapter. You need to know these truths. You need to know that if God is for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. you got the God of the universe on your side. You preach this to yourself. Certainly, you preach to others and you say, let me tell you about this Jesus, but... I think we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And so preach the word, this victory proclamation, certainly to others, but to yourself. And as we keep reading, Paul gives a few more reasons why we need to preach and proclaim the truth, the victory proclamation of Jesus. Look at verse 3, if you would. He says, Timothy, this is why you need to preach. Verse 3. For the time is coming... The time is coming for us, church, when people will not tolerate truth. There's a time coming when people will not tolerate truth. And you're like, yeah, it's already here, right? The people won't tolerate truth. I think every generation has said this. Our kids just will not tolerate truth. Our nation will not tolerate truth. I mean, we have much to be grateful for when we celebrate the birthday of our nation tomorrow. But if you look at our nation, we'd say it's a nation who does not want to tolerate truth people and even ourselves at times we just don't want to hear the truth we don't want to submit to it many people will say you know what ah truth is relative what's truth for you is not truth for me all right but i was thinking about this this week wait a second friday night as i'm watching the stars up there and like wait a second god has all of this under control He's got this little planet, and it's rotating, and it's cruising through the universe, and he's got all these stars, and then he's got all these 7 billion people, and he's holding them together, and if he can hold all of that together, and he says these laws are true, who am I to go, "Mm, I'm just not sure. I think something else is true. How stupid is that? To think that what God would say is not true. He's the one who has always existed. He puts all of this in motion. He's causing you to... Your heart to pump. Your lungs to breathe in and out as we speak. And for people to go... "Mm, I just don't know if he's really in control and he's true. What? This week I heard this from Sierra Leonean pastors. They were meeting together. Having another class. As they were meeting and sharing with a couple of the American pastors, they said this. They said, we have a problem in our country that people do not like listening to the word of God. They do not like listening to the truth. They won't come to church. Is this a Sierra Sierra Leonean problem? (laughs) The American pastors went, nope. (laughs) We have the same problem. No, you don't have that problem in the United States of America. We do. In fact, we have this problem all over this planet. The people are sinful and they want to go their own way. They think they know what's best. And there's a time coming, Paul says to Timothy, and it was coming 2,000 years ago, and it's happening today where people will not tolerate truth. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, in essence, God is saying to us, you stay true to the truths of God. You keep preaching his word. You keep proclaiming who he is. Don't neglect this job you have. Fulfill your ministry. You've got a stage. You've got a sphere of influence. Whoever you're with, you point them to God. You tell them about God. I know you don't have all the answers, but you just tell them what God has done for you. And then Paul gives another reason why we need to teach and proclaim the truth. The victory proclamation of Jesus. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. Paul says this for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. Let's say it this way that the time for is coming for this is it my departure. He says I'm leaving. I'm finishing this letter and I really don't know how much longer I have. When he started this letter he knew this. I don't know how much longer I have. They've have told me that my death is imminent. Paul could see this. In his case, it was an execution. He knew it was happening slowly. And he said, Timothy, I want to pass this baton on to you. I want want to pass this on. I'm about to be done. And so because of this, you have to preach the word. I've got to tell you, these are my last words. I'm giving you the baton. You preach the word. Paul saw his life as a drink offering. In other words, people would take this offering and pour it out. And he says, there's like a couple drops left, and then it's empty. He said this, he says, when he says, my departure is near, it was a phrase used for saying, uh, we're going to raise the ropes, let the uh, sail fly so that we can head off to a new port. It was a sailing term. He says, we're about ready to sail out of this port to another one. He thinks of that of his own life. He says, I'm about ready to leave this planet. I'm about ready to leave. My departure is coming. Because of that, you preach the word. And then he says this. Look at verse 7. When he's considering his own departure, he says this. I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. He says this. I fought. I have fought. My departure is near this life timothy just been a bunch of battles some days you you should write down just some of your battles I, I journal and i write down some of my battles and i'm just these are the things i get involved in paul is i've fought a good fight if you'd like to know about his fight write this passage down and look it up this week second corinthians chapter 11 write this down second corinthians chapter 11 starting at verse 23 he says these are some of the fights I had to fight, and as I was looking at his and comparing mine, I thought no one has beat me on the back with lashes, no one's thrown rocks at me to try to kill me. Paul says I, I fought this fight; my departure is near. He then says, "This I finished the race. I finished the race. If I finish, that means I'm done." My departure is near. I've done everything I need to do. I just need to finish these last words to you, Timothy. You go preach the word. Write this passage down. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Starting at verse 22. He says, you people know about this, especially in the uh, games, that all the runners are going to run and one's going to win the prize and he, the winner, gets a wreath gets a wreath and they'll put it on his head. And I just want you to know this wreath that they get, they run for that wreath and they get all this credit, but that wreath does not last. We're running for a race and we will get a wreath that will not perish. He says, and I've finished my race. I've finished my race. There were times I probably wanted to quit and I got lost a little bit, but I kept on my course Timothy, I finished my race. What a great statement to be able to say at the end of our life, I fought the good fight, I finished my race. I was thinking about running. I did, I'm not much of a runner. I did a little bit of that in high school, though. I ran cross country probably because I wasn't tough enough to play football and maybe trying to get tough enough to play baseball or something like that. But I remember running at one race, and they took us to a park in Salem, and they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, see the course And we're going to go this way, and then we're going to turn. We're going to go up this hill. And they started talking about all these turns. And before long, I said, wait a second. I don't need to pay attention, right? I'm not going to be leading this race. I'm one of the slowest guys around. I don't need to listen to them. I just need to follow somebody. Seemed like a good logical thought that day. Except for I did not consider how slow I was. Because halfway through the race, there was no one to follow. They were all so far ahead of me. And so now I'm in the—I'm lost on my course. I, I don't even know what the course is. I think sometimes you and I struggle with that. It's like, man, I, I got lost on my course. They finished the race. They were saying, okay, let's turn off the clock. Everyone's done. And my coach said, wait a second. We still have somebody out there from Dallas High School. He's lost. And they started, Scott... Follow the light. You know, I finally made it back. That day I got to say I finished some course. You know, Paul says, I got to the end of the course that the Lord Jesus had put out before me. I want to show you what he said in Acts chapter 20. This is a beautiful passage. He's on a third missionary trip. And it's actually his last trip before he ends up in this Roman prison. He says this in Acts 20. Look at these words. But I do not account my life as of any value. That's amazing. Nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course. And the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Listen to what Paul is saying this day. This is before he's locked up in this prison. He says, my life really means nothing. It's not about accumulating a lot of money or a big home or anything like this. Here's my life. I want to finish this course that the Lord gave to me. And here's what it is to testify, to be a witness of the grace of Jesus Christ. I just want to be able to say, listen, I was a self-righteous person and Jesus changed me. I was a person who had no hope, and now I have the hope of the world because Jesus did this. And he says, this is my course, and I'm running this course like crazy. My life really doesn't matter. Beat me on the back. Throw rocks at me. I don't care. I'm not trying to pad necessarily my retirement account. I just want to finish my course, which is testifying to the good news of the grace of Jesus. When I was in Africa last time, I said, by chance, if I ever get sick and I don't make it back from Africa, I want this verse at my memorial service. Because this is what life would really be about, right? I don't consider this life worth anything. If anything, it's just I want to finish this course to be able to testify the good news of the grace of Jesus. Paul, at another time, gave this. He says, let me tell you what the grace of Jesus is. Write this down, if you would. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich and had it all, he became nothing and he experienced poverty, spiritual poverty, so that you who were poor could become what? Rich, spiritually rich. That's the grace of Jesus. Paul says, this is what I want to do. I just want to spend my whole life talking about how gracious Jesus is. That he would leave everything for me. To save me. That I could have everything and be included into his family. That's what life is for me. In fact, Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 1. He says, for me to live is Christ. It's all about Jesus. And to die then, that's gain. Philippians chapter 1. Write this passage down if you would. Philippians chapter 1 To die to live is Christ and to die that's gain Wow He says this is my course that I'm running that I would see life is about Jesus and to die then and to be with him is gain And then he says this he says I've kept the faith and my departure is near I've kept the faith kept the faith. It says I've kept the faith, the author of my faith. He was the one who gave me faith. I kept faith in the one who perfected my faith. It's not that I'm an awesome person, Jesus is the awesome one. And I've kept the faith in him. And because my departure is near, Timothy, because my departure is near, church, my message to you is you go preach the word. You proclaim it Remember, this is our huddle. We're about ready to go back into the world here. You proclaim this word. I think Paul's saying, Timothy, listen, here's the deal. You pour out your life and preach the word. Timothy, your departure is near, so preach the word. Timothy, you fight the good fight. You finish the race. You keep the faith and preach the word. But that message is not just for Timothy 2,000 years ago. That message is for you and me, for the church. Church, you pour out your life and preach the word. You, church, your departure will be near. So preach the word. Church, you know this. You fight the good fight. You finish the race. You keep the faith, church, and preach the word of God. And then Paul gives one more reason why we need to preach and proclaim this. And it's found in verse 8. Look at verse 8 with me, if you would. He says this, Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved or longed for his appearing. Write this down, if you would. He says, the time is coming when God will present us with crowns. God will present us with crowns according to his promise of life. He says, Be encouraged by this. I'm about ready to have my head cut off. But I do know this that as I finish the race, I know that Jesus will present me with this crown. And not just to me, but to every single one of you who long for his appearing, who love his appearing. I started thinking about this, and I thought, yes, crowns. I love the idea of crowns. I want something good to me, right? And then I thought, wait a second, who long for his appearing? I look at my day planner, and it's like, okay, I got this, this, and this, and this, and then, woo! Friday, Saturday, and I, I can't wait. I long for certain days like this. Do I long for his appearing? Do I love the fact that Jesus is appearing? I just thought, man, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think, you know what, Jesus, I want you to come back. But here's why I want you to come back. Because my life is so bad right now, I just want to escape, right? You ever think that? It's not so much that we really want to be with Jesus. It's just we want to get out of this trouble. And Paul says, actually, more than anything, I just want to be with Jesus. He's been so good to me, I just want to wrap my arms around him and tell him, thank you just can't wait to see him. And he says a crown is awaiting me and for all of you who long for his appearing. Now when I read this, I got to tell you I don't know exactly what this crown is. I mean when I think of a crown, there's, you know, gold crowns or a Burger King crown or you know it's probably better than that. I don't know what this crown is, but I don't think it even matters. But the idea is because James talks about a crown, and Peter does, and Paul does, and Jesus even says, You will be rewarded as you follow me and as you serve me. You'll be rewarded as my sons and daughters. So it doesn't really even matter what it is, but this idea is it's worth the fight right now. It's worth staying in the race right now. It's worth Finishing your course right now. It's worth keeping the faith right now. I know you get discouraged. Paul was. Timothy was going to be discouraged. You and I have been and will be discouraged. But he says, listen, it is worth it. You keep the faith. You fight that good fight. You finish the race. Because Jesus has something in store for us. The righteous judge. And so... As I'm looking at this, let us all be about the Lord's work. I'm not sure what your work is. Somebody even told me recently and said, you know what? I'm I'm at a stage in my life. I don't even know what my work for the Lord is. I said, that's good that you at least understand that. Then let's figure out what your work is. You ask the Lord and he'll show you. But let's be about the Lord's work. This is our heavenly calling. Continue to learn. Continue to know the Word of God. Continue to ingest this and digest this. Let this train you and equip you so that you can preach this to yourself, so that you can preach this to your family, so that you can preach this at work and in your neighborhood. I don't know where God's going to use you, but He says, listen, we are going to proclaim That Jesus saves. We are going to proclaim that Jesus brings healing. And he says, I'm going to use you. And so in light of the fact, then, that we will all be departing one day, won't we? In light of the fact that we will all be departing one day, let us grow in understanding of our calling and our ministry. This would be my prayer, that you would understand more and more of your calling and your ministry. What God would have for you even this week. And let us remain faithful in order to be a part of God's redemptive work in the world. This is amazing. He says, I'm using you. I'm using flawed people like you that I have redeemed to bring redemption to others. I'm going to ask you to just bow your head for a minute. Maybe if you're a journaler, you need to maybe write some things right now. Just what is the Lord saying to you? Because Paul is understanding that his departure is soon, and I don't know when any of our departures are, but I do know they're coming. And in light of the fact that you will stand before the Lord, you and I have this call on our lives to proclaim Him, to preach the Word. Maybe your call is to speak up a little more. Maybe your call is to understand God's word a little more. Maybe you are called to just keep the faith right now in the midst of your trial. To finish the course. To fight the good fight. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would continue to speak to us in these closing moments and that you would continue to speak to us the rest of this day and this week until the time of our departure that you would show us that you have included us into a great work God, I confess for myself and for my brothers and sisters sometimes we just forget what life is about we think it's about us you did not rescue us so that we could just make life about us, but to, to live for you. And I ask that you would remind us of that. I thank you for the example of Timothy or Paul. He, he, it's not that he was a superhero. He was just changed by you. I thank you for these words to Timothy and to us. And I ask that you help us to long for your appearing. Help us to understand even what that means. Help us to live a life knowing that we will stand before you. Our family will stand before you. Our neighbors will stand before you. Our city will stand before you. Help us to long for your appearing. Help us to know what you are calling us to do. I Thank you that you love us. I thank you that you've been gracious to us. Thank you for this time this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Willamette Community Church's sermon series in 2 Timothy. Join us again next week as we continue our study.